This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson representing Transitions Life Care. And ladies, I see I'm the only one that's prepared for Halloween tomorrow. I'm the only one that wore a costume today. Uh, this is a little bit awkward, but it's, a, it's, it's okay. No one else got the memo, but that's fine. Mary, how are you? I'm doing well. I have my dog costumes lined up and ready. That okay. Yeah. That counts. Well, I'm ready. blaming Amazon. I still have a few pieces um, waiting to arrive, so hopefully they get here in time. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Well, uh, let's get down to business here. You know, on this show, we often talk about caregiving and the role that it plays in our lives and just how important of a subject this is, and we always want to provide support and information for those. And we've got a a wonderful guest lined up today who's going to be sharing his story as a patient and the caregiving surrounding his story as well, and that is Stephen Brimer. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So National Hospice and Palliative Care Month is coming in November. We hear a lot about what hospice Mm -hmm. is and isn't. I know Sam out in the field, you hear a lot of it as well. Um, And Stephen, your story really dives into the positive whole person care that hospice is, from health care to spiritual care. Um, So maybe we start from the beginning. Where did your journey start with hospice and also um, what you were dealing with? Well, it actually started about Two years ago, uh, maybe a little bit more, I lived in Texas and I was diagnosed with cancer uh, in, the, in the brain and uh, in my lungs and it had gone into my lymph nodes and um, I just, I started going downhill um, and, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go through chemo or radiation. I, I didn't want to settle all that uh, mm-hmm. bill with, with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um and so it, it kind of started off, I, you know, I was in, in the hospital in, uh, in San Antonio whenever they, they told me all of this. And uh, whenever I got out, uh, I, got, I got on some different uh, alternative things. And, mm-hmm. and I, I guess it helped a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I continued to go downhill and, um uh, I finally got to a point where I couldn't function very much anymore. And my son here in uh, North Carolina, he, he called and said, y'all sell your house and move up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at least you can be around the, the grandbabies before he goes home. And so we did. And uh, when I got up here, uh, it just <laughs> quickly started going downhill. Mm-hmm. And they put me in hospice here. Uh, and then I had to go to the hospice, uh, hospice care, um, mm-hmm. and with transitions and I was there for probably three, four days, I guess. And, uh, my, my wife said, look, I, I don't want him to die here. Uh, can, can we take him home and, uh, put a, a hospital bed in, in the room there? And so they did. And, uh, I came home to die. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak anymore. I couldn't read, write or walk, talk. Um, so they, they put me in the bed and just 
over over a period of, of months, I just started getting better. Mm. And uh, this was all without any kind of uh, medication uh, of any kind. Wow. Um, so that's that's kind of the, in, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. everything that, that happened over, over uh, about a two-year period. Wow, quite a time frame there. Yeah. And, you know, Stephen, you mentioned, too, that you experienced hospice care in kind of two different settings. One was in our hospice home, uh, which is an inpatient building that we mm-hmm. have to care for patients, and then also in the home setting, um, which I think is kind of an important distinction to make for people. I know a lot of times when I'm out talking to folks, they, a lot of people think sometimes hospice is a place. And mm-hmm. while... Um, Yes, we do have a care facility. We also mm-hmm. care for patients at home. So really, hospice is kind of a couple different places. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the differences when you were receiving hospice care in our hospice home and then in the home setting? Well, I don't know much about when I was mm-hmm. in the hospice home. Uh, I My recollection is just kind of gone mm-hmm. uh, about that. Um my my wife in the in a in the interview that they came by the house and, and interviewed me and my wife, she she gave her uh, her uh, view of of, of mm-hmm. what went on there because I don't I don't remember what went on. She just tells me that that it was incredible the, the care that that uh, I was given and uh, the the love that they gave her. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the whole affair while I was there. Now, whenever I came home, uh, I woke up and, and then I, I started, you know, slowly but surely, I, I started being able to talk. The uh, the nurses would come by and uh, they were so sweet. Uh, just just incredible, the, the, the care that they were taking. And it wasn't just they walked in and, and you know, took my vitals and everything mm-hmm. i mean they they would ask questions and, and they were how are you doing and are, are, are you are you feeling okay and, and mm-hmm. it, it's like they were trying they, they knew that i was going downhill but they were trying to to make everything better that they could for me mm-hmm. and uh that just it just really uh resonated uh, with us uh, with both of us and uh, then you know they they would send the the counselor in, and she would she would come you know maybe every every couple of weeks, and uh, she was so sweet, and she was uh, she was she was a Christian, and and uh, and she would she would ask me different questions, and and uh, you know as time went by, I was able to talk more, and um, it, it was it was just I I can't explain how much transition meant to us during the time that y'all were uh, taking care of me. Mm-hmm. I'm so it glad was incredible. That. Oh, that means so much to us. It makes my heart hear. so full. It yeah. Does. You know, you talked a little bit about the inter- interdisciplinary team, including our spiritual counselors mm-hmm. that came in. And I know that faith was a big part of your journey. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, it, well, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've been a Christian since, since I was a kid, uh, but whenever I was in the hospital in San Antonio, uh, it all came to uh, a, a, 
spot to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow. Uh, and and I, I started talking to God, and I said, Lord, is, is, is this it? Is, am I going home now? And uh, I said, well, you know, if, if I am, this is, I, I, I need to get ready. And so I just started going through my mind, you know, every, as far back as I could go. Um, whenever, <laughs> I mean, whenever I was, uh, before I was 10 years old, and just, just going through my mind and, and bringing back things that, I could have done different things that I did wrong. And just and I just went through a, a, a time of cleansing inside and uh, all the way to the future. And when when I was done with that, I mean, I was just I was just uh, just crying for for a long period of time, just just feeling the the love of God in the room. I mean, I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel him, but, but I could, I could feel his presence there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, it just, it just overwhelmed me. The, the love of God that I felt during that time. And the, the peace that I had, you know, any, any fear of what was going to happen to me was gone. It's like, Lord, okay, I'm ready to go. If, if this is, if this is what you want, uh, I said, but I would rather stick around with for my family, uh, and I will do whatever you want me to do uh, if if you keep me alive. And I don't know how to explain it, but I felt that night that I was not going to die. Hmm. And no matter how bad that I got from then on until, I mean, <laughs> almost at the bottom, uh, I, I still, I still felt that, that somehow God was going to turn this around. And whenever it started happening, it's like okay. And believe me, it was it was hard during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, not being able to talk, not being able to read, write, and everything. So you know, I would I would man, I have to. I have to uh, have scripture in 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 my mind, so I I got my phone and and programmed the the audio, and and I would listen to that all night long while I would sleep, and then throughout the day I would listen to to scripture, and uh, I've, I've I'm even today I still do that even wow. though I I can read uh, again, uh, but that's just something that is turned into one of my daily routines. Wow. Um, the the thing that that I want to uh, show people today is you know wh- wherever you're at, God will meet where you are. Um, and all you have to do is reach out mm-hmm. and talk to him and he will be right there he he will take away every kind of fear that you have about the future you know i i can't i i don't know why that that i didn't die uh the 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 doctors are are not they don't know why uh, because i should be dead there's no reason why i came back without any any medication um so you know, I, I don't know what 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 God, you know, 
had planned for me. Mm-hmm. I still don't fully know, but you know, for right now, uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. What, whatever he puts in front of me, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I use what what uh, what God has done inside of me, and I just tell people about it. Yeah, and roll with it. I guess that's really all you can do. This is just such an incredible story. We're speaking with Stephen Brimer, and we've got a few more questions for you, Stephen. We do have to take a break here, but man, this is a, some really powerful and emotional stuff. But we will be right back. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Stephen Brimer, and Stephen is sharing uh, an incredible experience. Just to recap everyone about, uh, I think it was two years ago, and Stephen, feel free to correct me if I get any of this wrong. Uh, Stephen was diagnosed with cancer and uh, basically moved to North Carolina to be closer to his son and grandkids, and at that time entered hospice home care at Transitions Life Care, and then eventually did a hospice home care and then uh, was basically uh, ready to to die at that point and uh, just experienced a a miraculous recovery. And Stephen, we've we've got some more questions here for you because this is just such an incredible story. It really is. And it's so unique. And I think one of the other unique parts about your journey is the time that it took place. Um, while you're receiving hospice care, we were in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Stephen, can you share with us a bit how COVID impacted your journey on hospice? Yeah, the the COVID actually kicked in once, once the, the tra- transition brought me home. And, um, Right when I whenever whenever it started coming on strong and, and everything started shutting down, that was a real rough time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know because of of especially for you know at that time how my, my health was. Uh, I was I was just kind of starting to recover, and so uh, the doctor was saying, "Look, I don't want you to go anywhere. I, I don't just just stay at home, and whenever you have to come." To uh, to see us, uh, then you know well, <laughs> you you can come and then go straight back home. Said, but but don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was really hard because uh, you know for probably about three months uh, I couldn't I couldn't see my my uh, my grandkids. Mm-hmm. You know they would come over and, and drive up in in the in the driveway and. And just kind of wave wave mm-hmm. at them while they were sitting in the car, and and then uh, you know later you know they would come out and, and stand outside, and we would talk on the, on the porch, and uh, and it was it was quite some time before we could uh, come in, and and my my daughter, uh, she she's a nurse, and and she worked at. Um, it, uh, 
nursing care, mm-hmm. and uh, they had her in, in the COVID uh, department, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, and so she really would not come and see me, and, um, you know, sometimes she would drive up and, and wave, and and then she would take off, and it wasn't, you know, it was probably, you know, three, three months later, that uh, she even came over and uh, she wouldn't even hug me. So mm-hmm. we would get back to back and, and kind of rub our <laughs> backs together. And just just the, the human touch was, was something that was so uh, I was aching for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, being able to hug my grandkids and, and uh, wrestle on the floor with them mm-hmm. like, I, like I usually did. And um, so... Uh, that that was that was a hard time, but God got got me through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm, we all want to know how are you doing now, and and how are you feeling? And you're not any you're not on hospice any longer. Is that correct? No, I'm not on hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, once once they they came and um, and they said, you know, well, we don't think. Uh, that you need us anymore uh, mm-hmm. because <laughs> you you're, you're, you seem to be okay. And uh, I said, no, I, I don't think I do. And that's that's when we got, uh, you know, we didn't have any insurance at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get insurance. And so I, I started uh, seeing an oncologist and a, a brain, uh, brain neurologist, whatever that's called anyway. And so I went through uh, pinpoint uh, radiation for my for my brain, and um, and then they they put me on this uh, it's called uh, Alicenza, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a, a, a an oral chemo, and that kind of made me sick at first, and then mm-hmm. they switched me over to. Uh, Zalcori, and that was uh, a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I still, uh, I still have uh, a um, a tumor in my brain that is half the size of what it was. Wow. I had had twenty on the other side, and those are, are not visible anymore. And then. Um, in my lung, the that tumor is half the size of what it was. Wow. Uh, I'm 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 am o- okay. I, I'm able to do anything uh, except you know uh, I can't work yet. Mm-hmm. But I work around the house. Um, my one one hard thing was was not being able to drive for two years. Mm-hmm. And so whenever whenever I was able to to uh, get my license back. Uh, the first thing I did was drive to Home Depot <laughs> just so I could see everything and smell the smells because you know, I, I love to work with my hands and everything so uh, that was that was my first my first road trip and uh, since then you know I've I've driven uh, I've driven over to Kansas City twice you know uh, it was like 18 19 hours um and by myself, and uh, I'm I'm doing fine. Uh, once in a while, I'll uh, have some some brain fog in the morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, uh, 
everything everything seems to to be uh, about the same. Um, I, I, the last time I I had some uh, some some what do you call them uh, scans, mm-hmm. um, they were about the same as the last time. So uh, I'm not sure um, what 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 the future lies. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know, I'm in God's hands, and uh, I'm going to do whatever whatever it is that, that He wants me to do, uh, and take every every day, you know, day by day. And uh, you know, one thing I want to say dur- during this whole time for for anyone who's going through hospice, uh, my wife is the one that has uh, she has been the bedrock of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Everything has had fallen on her for the past two years and uh i'm just i'm just in awe of of how she was able to maintain uh you know her 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 life you know with with everything she she had to do everything you know to sell our house uh in in uh in texas um everything was on her and so we came up here and then everything was on her here and you know i was i wasn't the the uh the best uh the best patient uh (laughs) and and you know she she just went through it with me uh she is the most incredible woman i I wish she was here she's 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 out working right now uh but uh she she's just incredible, and uh, you know my my kids, you know they they went through it too. When whenever whenever someone with cancer uh, goes through it, it's like it, it's hard on them. And a lot of people see the the the, the poor patient that, that has the cancer and all that they're having to go through. But let me tell you that the family mm-hmm. they go through it just as much, and sometimes even harder uh, because you know they're they're having to to maintain everything that's, that's going through their mind and, and, and having to respond uh, in a right way, uh, and it's hard on them. Mm-hmm. Yep, I couldn't. I, I Caregiving is such a mm-hmm. hard journey. And real quick, Stephen, we just have one minute left. What do you okay. think hospice meant at the beginning of your journey, and what do you think it means now? Hospice was... Uh, a, a godsend, um, you know. Even even when I was in hospice in Texas, and then we came up here and and got transitioned, uh, both both uh, in Texas and here, and especially here, uh, where I got the most the most uh, intensive care, um, it, it's just incredible. Um, I, I would I would say I, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go with any other. Uh, place again you know if 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 i ever went through hospice again transition is the one that that i would go with um they're they're just incredible Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your story. We're so glad that you're here to tell it. It's it's mm-hmm. an amazing and powerful one. Again, his name is Stephen Brimer, and uh, Stephen, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to being so open and honest with us. Well, thank you. I was glad to do it.
Be well. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the transitions team uh, is, is so happy for you, Stephen. And again, we uh, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Boy, this uh, this really gives you some perspective. And uh, if, if you can't walk away from this interview feeling like uh, – you should appreciate things. Well, uh, I don't know what to say for you because, man, that is that is quite the story. Well, we are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we've got a friend of the show here on the line, and we always love having our Transitions Life Care brethren, and uh, I, I don't know what the female equivalent of brethren is, but uh, Mark Philbrick is not that, so I guess I don't need to worry about that. Mark Philbrick, uh, he's been on the show a number of times, and we're going to address a litany of topics with him. Mark, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. Thank you. We are very excited to have you here today, Mark. I think there's a lot of myths and facts about palliative care and hospice. I know that Sam, in your in your role, you hear a lot of them when talking with um, family members yes. and and patients. When I'm out meeting with families and patients and doing informational visits with them, you know, I definitely hear a lot of myths that people hear about hospice. So, Mark, we kind of wanted to play a fun little game with you today uh, <laughs> on myth or fact about hospice. So. We'll go Great. ahead and start with, and this is probably the I one. I wish we I, had music to lead in this. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> with the one I hear the most. So myth or fact, going on hospice means I gave up and I only have days left to live. That is a myth. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, hospice uh, is not imminent death care. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people in the community and unfortunately some in the medical community believe. Mm -hmm that hospice is for the last days of life, whereas it's really to provide care for the last six months of life as people begin their end-of-life journey. Um, and unfortunately, about a third of the patients we admit on hospice are admitted in the last week of life because they're in a crisis mm -hmm. of pain or delirium, um, and it doesn't have to be that way. Right, right. I think that so many people wait till they get to the hospital yes. to have that conversation and make that decision. And I think that, uh, you know, there's much more of the benefit that could be had if you come on to service earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next one. Comfort care means letting go of my control of my care. That also is a myth. Um, Comfort care, as I mentioned, palliative, the word itself means to cloak someone in comfort. But all of the care we provide is in collaboration with the patient and the family. They get to determine uh, what type and what level and details are involved in their care plans. We're required actually to make sure that we're in collaboration with them. 
So it is not letting go of control. It's actually giving them control. Uh, where they lose control is if they don't have a plan in place. They haven't had these conversations with their patients and their doctors. And unfortunately, we get uh, many people, when they reach this part of life, go into crisis mode. And it allows you to get control over how you're going to be cared for in collaboration with hospice and palliative care providers. Absolutely. It's definitely a collaborative team effort there. So another myth or fact, hospice is expensive. It is not expensive. That is another myth. Uh, in fact, as we talked about, if they are Medicare or private insurance, most likely it's 100% covered for the care that they need to get. Um, and Transitions Life Care, we have been a private not-for-profit entity since 1979, and we never turn anyone away based on ability to pay. So we provide four times the national average percentage-wise of charity care than other um, organizations. So nobody is going to be in a position where they are left with a huge bill under the hospice Medicare benefit. Which is such a wonderful thing mm -hmm. to know for families. And, you know, in talking with families, like you said, a lot of people have no idea that it's a Medicare benefit. Mm -hmm. I know talking to them and all that's covered under hospice, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can get all of these medications mm -hmm. and medical equipment. So it's it's really great to kind of dispel that myth for uh, for patients and families. Absolutely. Yeah, and let me explain. Like I mentioned, you get the visits from mm -hmm. these different health care professionals who come to your home or your nursing home or assisted living facility. But in addition to that, all the medications yes. that are related to your, your diagnosis are covered 100%, as well as any medical equipment, oxygen, hospital bed, bedside commodes, all of that is also part of this benefit and is 100% covered with no co-pays. Yes, a huge help to families. So you, you keep mentioning this benefit. Once the patient passes, is the benefit over? No. The benefit of hospice is not just for the patient, but for the patient's family and loved ones. So part of the hospice benefit is bereavement and grief support. Medicare provides up to 13 months of grief support to the family once their loved one dies. Wow. So that, for our organization, involves having monthly letters with readings. It also gives them access to free bereavement counseling service from professional bereavement counselors. And support goes well beyond the uh, death of the patient. Wow, awesome supports to have in place. So here's a trick question for you. And I hear this <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot from families too. Hospice is a place. It's only at a nursing home or a hospice house. Uh, that is another myth. In fact, hospice is not a place at all. It's a philosophy of care. Now, we happen to have a hospice home. There are three hospice homes in our service area here. Uh, we have a 30-bed hospice facility in Raleigh, about a mile from the PNC Arena and the state fairgrounds. Duke has a uh, facility over near Durham. Uh, Duke Regional Hospital in Chapel Hill. UNC Hospice has one in Pittsburgh. Um, but only 5% of the patient care days we provide are in our hospice home. So the vast majority of hospice care is provided to patients in their homes or at a nursing home or assisted living or independent living facility. So it's really a philosophy that we care for patients where they reside to make it best 
possible care wherever they are. So um, hospice homes are actually an exception, not a rule to comfort care. Awesome. Does a doctor have to refer you to hospice? A family can call and ask for an information visit or an assessment by a hospice organization. Those are provided uh, free of charge. So if the family's not sure, we certainly can send a representative out to identify whether the patient is appropriate and meets criteria. When the hospice admission is actually done, a doctor's order is required. The doctor has to believe that the patient has six months left to live. They sign what's called a certificate of terminal illness, which means they believe the patient is terminally ill, and they write an order for hospice service to begin. Um, we have to have that in place in order for Medicare to reimburse for it. But no, a family or a, a friend of a family can uh, contact hospice to get an information visit. That's great stuff, Mark. And uh, you, you technically are the winner of hospice fact or fiction today, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, really all of us have won by gaining from your insight today. So Mark Philbrick with Transitions Life Care, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate it. You're certainly welcome. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. And we are continuing our four-part series here talking about coping with grief over the holidays as the holiday season is rapidly approaching. And uh, we're pleased to welcome back Haven Parrott with Transitions Life Care. And uh, we're going to go into a, a quick review of what we talked about last week. But Haven, you've given us an acronym here, COPE, C-O-P-E. Last week, we talked about what the letter C stands for. This week, we're going to talk about O. So why don't you catch us up and then let, let's get to O today. Thanks, Jason. It's good to be back. Um, you know, the holidays are stressful for everybody, uh, grievers and non-grievers. There's so many extras that we feel like we have to do, so many expectations. And in loss, that is just so much more magnified and intensified. Um, and it's not just holidays. You know, it's birthdays and anniversaries are also sprinkled in those months, of those holiday months of November and December. And it's just it's just so difficult because all of those days are about togetherness and when you're not together with the person who makes all those days so special it is so very painful um but we did talk about perhaps what might be helpful in 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 coping uh, during with grief during the holidays and last week we talked about see compassion for self just trying to understand that it's not that it's normal not to be normal right now um, reducing your expectations of yourself and of others giving yourself permission to acknowledge this fear is different by doing things differently not feeling like you have to to put out everything you always put out before decorations wise or um, 
put out all the food or you can do it differently because this year is differently different and by doing it differently you acknowledge that um, basically self-compassion comes down to extending to yourself the compassion compassion that you would so easily extend to someone else who is really hurting because um, now you're that person so just being compassionate with yourself and giving yourself some grace we talked about that last week and um, the O part of the COPE acronym is about open communication. And I, I'm not sure that there's anything more difficult for a griever than just being heard and being able to express their need and desire for, um, for support. Um, there's just such an awkwardness around grievers. It's like you don't have access to all the letters of the alphabet, like like all maybe the vowels are gone and you're trying to talk with just consonants and it comes out all jangled and dissonant. Um, and it, it, it's hard for grievers to express how they feel and it's hard for people around grievers to know what grievers are feeling because grievers look normal on the outside um, and they're falling apart on the inside and it's really hard for folks to tell um, you know, what we, what grievers need, um, and how they feel. And not only that, grief changes you. And as if that were not enough, grief itself changes. It's always, you know, you never know what a day is going to bring. And so grief can be so confusing and so disorienting. And it can be really hard for a griever to know what they need, much less even express what they need. Mm -hmm. And add to that the fact that people say things that are, not helpful. Um, they mean to be helpful. They're not trying to be hurtful, but they say things that diminish the pain, like anything that begins with at least. Mm -hmm. At least you had your mom for a long time, or at least he's in a better place, or at least she isn't suffering anymore. And none of those things do anything to address your pain. Um, they may be true things, uh, but they don't address your pain and how you feel. And so it just it's just really awkward. Um, people also don't get how hard the grief experience is, how lonely, uh, how tired, how how your heart aches, how you feel like you're living with landmines, with triggers that are just set to go off anytime. Um, people report feeling just hollowed out and fragile. Um, and it's just, it's just really hard for folks to know how grievers feel. Uh, people don't know what they don't know. And that means that grievers are tasked with communicating what they need. And that seems really unfair that mm -hmm. on top of the grieving, on top of the exhaustion, it's one more thing that a griever has to do is to communicate how they feel and what they need. And many times people don't want to do that. They don't want to be a burden. They don't want... Um, to lay more sad on other people, especially people who want them to be happy, who want them to get over it. Um, and maybe grievers don't want to say what they need because they don't want someone else to <laughs> make the conversation about their own grief, ex about their grief experience. Um, there's nothing worse than having your, your pain hijacked by someone else who's lost someone or, or, or had a similar experience. And, um, so it, it, it's just a really awkward thing to try to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, often what folks need is just patience. 
or to say the loved one's name out, li- out loud or to check in on someone or give them understanding or tell a story about the loved one or just let somebody cry. Um, especially at the holidays, folks want to cheer grievers up and make things normal and hurry the grief along. And, you know, there's all these parties and invitations and family gatherings. And so it is especially important for grievers to just be honest about what they can handle and what they can't when those invitations come. So having a phrase handy like, thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, I hope to be able to come to this gathering, but it's really hard for me to predict what the day will be like for me. So, you know, if I can, if if you don't have to have a hard answer right now, uh, I'll, I'll come if I can, if I can't just, you know, give me that grace or to say something like, I'd like to come, but I might have to leave early or I need to step outside for a few moments because I never know how something will hit me. Um, or just, you know, thank you for asking. I'm not ready yet, but mm-hmm. please ask me again. Uh, just being able to have a few phrases handy when those invoca- invitations come so that you are you keep it open for yourself if, if you feel like going, if you feel like participating, but you also keep it open and honest that maybe it just won't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another really important thing about open communication is remembering um, that other people are grieving the same loss. So in a family, you know, a a death really alters the family structure and the way things are done in the family. And so often a mom will think, well, I've got to keep things normal for the kids. I need to do everything I've always done because they'll be expecting that. And oftentimes the kids are just like, nah, it's okay to, to not do all that. So just having a conversation among those who are grieving the same loss and saying, how would you like to acknowledge this loss? What would you like to not do or do this year? Um, Just having those honest, open conversations with other grievers is really, really important. Um, And I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that you're getting um, some information here that's just helpful on on how to really communicate, have this open communication to be honest rather than strong when you're grieving. No, this is wonderful advice, Haven. Thank you so much. I think it's great perspective for those who are dealing with grief over the holidays, but also for those who are friends and family or who may know someone who's going through this and, uh, you know, making sure that we're using the right open lines of communication as well and making sure we're not uh, maybe taking the spotlight away or, you know, over overshadowing their grief. And uh, I think this is important for all of us to know. And this is wonderful, wonderful advice. Haven Parrot with Transitions Life Care. Haven, we're going to continue. We're only halfway through this. We've got two more segments that we're going to do with you on coping with grief over the holidays. So thank you so much for this, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Jason. Take care. You as well. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.